Welcome to CMO Confidential, the podcast that takes you inside the drama, decisions, and choices that go with being the head of marketing. Hosted by five-time CMO, Mike Linton. Welcome marketers, advertisers, and those who love them to Chief Marketing Officer Confidential. CMO Confidential is a program that takes you inside the drama, the decisions, and the politics that go with being the head of marketing at any company in what is one of the most scrutinized jobs in the executive suite. I'm Mike Linta, the former Chief Marketing Officer of Best Buy, eBay, Farmers Insurance, and Ancestry.com, here today with my guest, Lindsay Haggins. Today's topic, a look at fractional work. Is it right for you and your company? Now, Lindsay is a founding member of Truebridge, a search firm that specializes in interim and fractional roles. She is also a director of Talent Network. Formerly, she was a member of Google's in-house executive search team and worked across a, a variety of products and functional areas, including marketing, comms, legal, sales, and finance. Prior to Google, she worked at GLG, an expert network platform. Welcome, Lindsay. This is a person that knows a lot about search. Thank you so much, Mike. It's so great to be here. All right, Lindsay, first question. Give our listeners an overview of fractional work. It's kind of, it's been around a long time, but it's kind of really a new thing, if you will. What is it and what's really driving the concept now? Yeah, and that is a great question. And it's one that I get a lot. So thanks so much for asking it. So fractional work, and it really, as you mentioned, it's been around, but it's a term that's been surging since the pandemic uh, when we've seen a lot more fractional work come about. And it's not new, but what we what it means is when a company will hire an executive for a fraction of the time, so less than full time, typically that person is coming in anywhere from two to four days a week. And it's for a certain duration of months. So that can be anywhere from three to 12 months. And what's unique about the fractional executive position is that you are as a fractional exec coming in and you're, you are fully embedded in the organization. You're sitting on the leadership team. You likely have a team that's reporting to you. And for all intents and purposes, you, you are sitting in that full-time role, but it's just for a fraction of the time. So, so what is, what is, what is driving this? Cause it seems like there's been a big pickup of this. What's, what's, what's going on, right? Like what changed on the business front that said, Oh my God! Uh, suddenly, there's got to be a lot more fractional players. Like, tell tell me what's the, the dynamic below all this? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say we saw a sharp rise in fractional work in just more recent years, coming out of the pandemic. And so, what was really driving that work defining trend is a number of different factors. Um, the first being the talent. So, you know, you had a lot of people who were, um, you know taking the time through the COVID years, they, they, they took a step back and they really reevaluated what's important to them. And they started thinking, hey, you know, is there another path I can take? And um, people started looking for work that was more aligned with their values, that felt meaningful, um, perhaps gave them a little bit more flexibility to spend time with their families. And, uh, and, and really just looking to have more control over their professional careers. 
So you have, you know, that's one side on the other side. That's the supply. I've got the supply. supply. I've got the supply of all these people that say, you know, I don't necessarily want to work 70 hour weeks. I want to, but, but I want to do something cool. Tell Mm -hmm. me about what's driving the demand side. Absolutely. So this wouldn't have come about unless there was the demand, right? So on the company side, you end up having, uh, if you can remember, this is around the time of like the great resignation and you had top talent leaving companies left and right. And it was absolutely a tight labor market during that time. And companies, especially innovative companies, were looking to find ways to tap into top talent um, more quickly. And so, you know, a traditional search can last anywhere from three, five, six or more months. But if you need somebody right now, well, how do you how do you get the right person in place right now? And so innovative companies started to think about new new ways to access that talent. Um, So that's the demand. And now you have the supply, you have the demand. Now, how do you kind of bring it all together? And a couple other forces that were at play here were the fact that we had, um, you know, some economic uncertainty, right? And uh, these companies also weren't sometimes willing or wanted to put all of their chips in one basket. Maybe they weren't looking to bring on a full-time executive, the timing wasn't quite right. So, you know, what else could you do? Um, And then at the same time, you had remote work that has always been around. And we've had these collaboration tools that have worked very well for working remotely. But um, we just saw a a surge in innovation when it came to remote um, collaboration tools and remote work. And so um, the fact that this has become um, an easier an easier setup within an organization and uh, to have uh, remote employees, they were really able to, um, you know, companies were able to access top talent from anywhere in the country or even across the globe. So this is, so yeah, you you think the supply and demand thing is going to continue. And I'm, I'm, I'm also, I hear from some companies and some people where particularly like the CMO space, I may not need a full-time CMO. I just need someone that's really good at acquisition or is really good at this right now. And then as my company scales, maybe then I'll be ready for a full-time CMO. But right now I would love to, I would love to go essentially rent this. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us what's optimal. Like if I'm even a company or in position, what's an optimal situation for fractional positions? And then when are people misusing a fractional position? Yes, that is a great question. And there's a there's a number of different situations that are optimal for bringing on an interim or fractional executive. Um, I'll just name a few. And these are ones that we have seen at at TrueBridge that have uh, worked very well and really proved to have a great ROI. So um, the first is when you have, you know, a high growth company that uh, you know, needs marketing help and marketing leadership, but they might not be totally ready to bring on a full-time CMO. So whether that's a, you know, stealth or series A, B company, you know, they have uh, marketing priorities that they need to act on, whether it's, you know, branding and positioning or, um, you know, market differentiation and bringing on a full-time CMO in that situation might not make sense because maybe you don't have, you know, maybe you don't have a full marketing team built out or or any marketing team. 
Um, you perhaps don't have a budget uh, for this person either. Well, but you know that you need a CMO to keep driving the business ahead and keep driving it forward. That's a great situation to bring on an, an interim or fractional CMO um, who can come in and work on those key priorities uh, during that time. Um, another situation is when you need to find a full-time CMO. You have a leadership gap. You are, um, you know, perhaps you're ready to launch that search, but you can't wait, uh, you know, those uh, several months before you have somebody in the seat. Or perhaps you need to fill this gap, but uh, the organization and the way that the marketing things are structured aren't um, well positioned to attract a, a high caliber talent. It's it's worth it to pause, bring in an interim or a fractional CMO at that. Yeah, point. So go go rent somebody. Why why the situation and the company kind of figure it out. Exactly. And help them figure it out. Um, we've seen instances where you bring in somebody, they will assess and evaluate the current marketing team that was built perhaps with the past CMO, making sure that it's ready for that next stage of growth. You have the right structure, the right composition in place um, to move forward with that or with the with the team that you have. So so if I'm sitting out there and I'm, I'm a, a marketing talent or think I'm a marketing talent, <laughs> how, how do I think about fractional work? Like what what should I be thinking and how do I think about it in terms of my career? Is it, is it a benefit to my career? It, you know, t tell me about it. Cause you know, you, you can have a bunch of opinions on when fraction was good or not good for the company. Tell me about the person. Yeah. You know, what we're seeing these days with fractional people who are opting into fractional work um, you know, at TrueBridge, we focus on C-level or like C-level minus one. So that's the type of talent that we're working with. And you'll have a lot of people who are, you know, at the heart of their career, um, but looking for a little bit more flexibility, or perhaps they're more at the tail end of their career, but they, you know, they don't want to be done completely yet before right. fully retiring. Um, opting in to go fractional is a way to have a little bit more flexibility, but also utilize your skills and expertise and wealth of knowledge that you've acquired over the years and come in and make an impact with a company. And so um, that would be those, the people who would do well on fractional are those who are, you know, wanting to tap in and use that experience, wanting to help companies and are willing to do it on a, you know, three to six month basis. And then, you know, leave and then do it again with another company. And wait, when I put fractional on my resume, does mm -hmm. it enhance my resume or does it hurt my resume or does it not matter? Yes. So one of the, and I didn't mention this before, but I do think that one of the driving factors in interim becoming more and more popular is that this career path is becoming more normalized. So, you know, maybe 10 years ago, if you were to go fractional, that would raise a lot of, a, a lot of questions for, um, you know, exec recruiters and uh, in the companies that hire these um, executives saying, you know, why did they go fractional? Like, what, what's the purpose of that? Is it because they can't cut it as a full-time CMO? And, but today with the caliber of people who are going into fractional work, it, uh, it it's it's truly, I think, just becoming more and more normalized and more and more of a trend. And that's one thing that I don't that companies still, um, you know, are becoming used to because they will 
you know, sometimes still see the the old biases, but truly going forward, it's, you know, fractional is so incredible because you are tapping into talent, top tier talent that you may not be able to have afforded, afforded at your company otherwise. And so if I have this on my resume, do I have to explain why I went fractional or do people just look at it and say, and I'm going for a permanent job. Do people look <laughs> at it and say, hey, it's, it's great you did this fractional thing because you kept going and you got this new knowledge or do people say why did you go fractional is it is it a plus or a minus or is it just unclear i'd say if you go fractional and then you're gonna go out of fractional and go full-time right. how you explain it with on your resume is that you know maybe the right opportunity came up it was super exciting it was in a in a space that you had only tangential experience you wanted to see more of it um, the reasons behind it, the reasons and the motivations behind going fractional and joining that company it, are super important in that case, as is the case with any like leave sure, or any say. job change. But yeah. Um, and then I would say it's proving that you were successful as a as a fractional. Um, and that is in, in that fractional role um, is important, too. So you have to prove you were fractionally successful. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, so tell me if I'm interviewing for a fractional job, how is the interview process different for the candidate, for the company, for everybody else? Because, you know, I'm, I'm looking to get this job filled at speed. You mm -hmm. know, I, I, some of these people are kind of pre-selected, I'm assuming, or they're they're coming out of an industry I want. How, tell me about the interview process. Yes. So the inter interview process is, is slightly different than a full-time search. And uh, we'll even advise our clients on how to properly interview an interim candidate. So I'll start just by with the company. How is it different for them? For the companies, one thing we tend to say, hey, limit the interviews to max like three or four people that are- so You're not gonna table. maybe come back three different times and go through the Bring a yeah. fire and 12 people and where anybody can just, you know, shoot the whole process, right? It's shorter. Absolutely. I've been through full-time searches where I've put people through 12 to potentially 18 interviews and I will never do it again. <laughs> I will never do it again, three to four max. And the reason why is that, you know, meeting with the CEO, who is your going to be one of your st key stakeholders, perhaps another peer in the um, at the company is important. Um, meeting with an investor, that's also if you're going to be working for a PE-backed company or VC-backed, and good to meet with who you're going to be working with there and um, perhaps a board member. And that's like more of like the optional. I, I always leave it up to the client's organization on whether or not they want to loop in a board member. But having those four people in um, meeting with those four people is, is pretty critical. Three or four. Um, when it comes to the interview process and the questions, like making sure that you're gearing the questions towards the the you know, key priorities that you need to get done and need to get solved and not towards like their strategic thinking for, you know, two, five years out. It's really, you need somebody who comes in um, and like can execute on those top priorities for those next, you know, three, six, 12 months. So make it very short-term focused, focused on- so Give me a, a, a couple sample questions you would, if, if a bunch of our listeners are interviewing for fractional CMO or fractional whatever- what are some questions you would recommend they ask almost right away when they go into the meeting? 
So as a candidate, the questions yeah. that you would ask. So you want to know about the organization. It's only going to work. It's a two-way street as it as it is with um, full-time roles. You want to make sure that you are fully aligned with the CEO. You want to know, you know, why is this position open? That's a huge one. Um, you know, did they just kick somebody out of the seat? Did that person leave proactively? Perhaps how many CMOs have they had recently? Maybe it gives you a state of a current state of what the team's headspace is. Are they, you know, have they been through some tumultuous team leadership changes? Um, and then you want to you want to make sure that uh, all the key stakeholders are aligned on the on the strategic priorities, so that there's not a mismatch in alignment. And then you know it's really tough to to set yourself up for success in that case. Right. And one thing, if you're coming in as a fractional and it's short term things you have to accomplish, how many how much questions should you put to the company about the authority you have to make decisions versus to recommend? Because say they they. Mm -hmm. They say, all right, Lindsay, we really want someone to work on acquisition and we're going to, we have this pile of money and, you know, we don't have a, a, a person in charge of this. We mm -hmm. want you to fix all that. How, how much should you press on the authority versus responsibility comment? A hundred percent need to ask it and be fully transparent and aligned with the, with the stakeholders at the company on how much um, responsibility and authority that you do have. Yeah, because this is one of those, let's just stay along the acquisition thing where everyone wants CAC to be a certain number and we got to grow the business. But if everyone is voting on how you are doing that and you're a fractional, you're probably not going to get done and you're not going to get finished. How, how many how many fractional things work out roughly as a percent versus regular searches? You know, I can only speak for TrueBridge in this case and we take a very search-like approach when it comes to our placements of fractionals with companies. Um, we have a highly vetted network, so we do a lot of proactive vetting. We will then assess every new opportunity, um, the client's opportunity, to make sure it's well set up for success. Can a, can a fractional candidate come in, and is this a good situation, yeah. an optimal situation for them to um, for them to bring in a fractional candidate. Um, and then we will do a deep dive or assess our talent um, to make sure that they have been there, done that, and have the skill set, experiences, and track record to go in and hit the ground running in that role. So um, we've had a very, a very great um, success rate. Um, I have heard out there people say, well, you know, if, if, if it doesn't work out, it's just the interim or just a fractional, and then you can end the engagement and find a new one. But I, I definitely don't take that stance because um, I feel- That's so damaging to everyone in the process. Yes, yes, it is. It is a waste of time. It's a waste of money. And when time is money and you need to act on priorities um, to move your business ahead, hiring the wrong person is detrimental. And so- it is cr critical to make sure that you have the right person in place. Got it. Thank you. Let's let's talk about the employment market in general. We've read about quiet quitting, the great resignation, lazy girl jobs, remote work. We've read about all this stuff or, or you know, quitting in place. Are, are these all real things or are they in transition? Tell us what's going to happen uh, <laughs> in the employment market for someone who's right there on the front lines. 
Oh my goodness. Uh, first, I have to say lazy girl jobs kills me. I lazy person jobs. No, <laughs> it is. But I'm, look, I'm just parroting the Wall Street Journal. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting point that you bring up. One, I will say fractional and interim. I, I are absolutely are here to stay as yeah. a trend. Quit, quiet quitting and lazy girl jobs. Are uh, you know, I I don't think that there you know there's underlying underlying currents there as to why those trends have come about. Um, with quiet quitting, it tends to be more of like, hey, let's make sure that we have everybody as a as an organization, a company culture that we're engaging employees, that people are happy, and that's um, that we're avoiding people quiet quitting. Um, when it comes to lazy girl jobs, I mean, I'm definitely a fan of like, you know, working smart and work harder, you know, work smart, not harder. Um, I, I fear about the lazy terminology and how that uh, may be detrimental to some people's careers who are touting that that's what they're looking for. Yeah, but I wouldn't be posting like, a lot about it if I was, if I wanted a job. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> I think at the crux of it is um, people just want to be, feel like they're fulfilled filled in, you know, what they're passionate about, whether it's quite quitting and knowing that they that people want to know that they are acknowledged and their work is um, meaningful and impactful. Mm -hmm. And if they're not finding it at one place, they're going to go somewhere else and find it elsewhere. So um, I think that's kind of a, a something that's, um, you know, not new. And then when it comes to these lazy girl jobs and what people are calling this, um, you know, line of work. Yeah, minimum amount of work required. Work, minimum yeah. amount of work required to not get fired. Yeah, I don't think it's going to last for too I long, to be honest. Yeah, but it's, um, I haven't come across any in my work, I'd say. Got it. All right. So last question, it's a two-parter. You could take one or both, but you must take one. <laughs> First, funniest story or experience you can share on the air and or one piece of practical advice you would give our listeners that we haven't talked about so far? Yes. So I'll go with the practical advice uh, for sake of time here. Um, and if so, for the listeners, if you are thinking about going fractional or interim, make sure you are able to clearly articulate your value proposition and, uh, and that you have a marketing plan for yourself. Um, being able to share your experiences, your expertise, the, you know, your ability to drive results for clients are all going to be huge. Um, it's important to think about the types of companies that you're going to work with. And, um, and being very important to share the value that you'll bring as a fractional CMO. Great. Thank you very much. I think that's a great way to end the show. Thank you, Lindsay, and thanks to everyone for listening to CMO Confidential. Look for more of our shows on Evergreen, Spotify, Apple, and YouTube, which include a content streamer's view of media and the marketplace. And an experienced CMO and board member with Technology Talks Talks Marketing. A 360-degree look at the CMO interview. And are you the strategist you think you are? Hey, all you marketers, stay safe out there. This is Mike Winton signing off for CMO Confidential.
Today's episode of CMO Confidential is brought to you by CMOcoaches.com. Are you a current or aspiring chief marketing officer looking to take your career to the next level? You should work with a CMO coach. CMO coaches are former CMOs who are nationally certified coaches. So whether you want to improve your leadership skills, develop your team, or drive better business results, we have the experience and expertise to help you succeed. To learn more, visit us at cmocoaches.com. Great careers are forged out of great relationships. Your success, whatever your field, relies and thrives on the support and insights of others. I'm Andy Lapata, an author and speaker on the power of professional relationships. In the Connected Leadership podcast, I have the privilege of interviewing people from around the world to understand the relationships that have made a difference on their journey and how their insights can help you. From Nobel Prize winners to Olympians, from NASA astronauts to peace campaigners, my guests have shared some captivating moments from their lives and careers. Combined with experts from leading universities, cutting-edge authors and giants of business, the Connected Leadership Podcast aims to inspire, educate and entertain. Are you tired of the same old productivity hacks? Have you read the top 20 books on effectiveness and yet your work days and email inbox still causing anxiety, burnout, and even depression? Ready to learn the latest in brain-based modalities, techniques, and technologies to optimize your success and well-being? Welcome to the Focus to Evolve podcast where we'll illuminate your path to spacious productivity and balanced thriving. Each week, we dive into deeply insightful and immediately impactful methods to help you become highly effective while promoting health, profitability, and well-being. Say goodbye to the trance of busyness and hello to your highest potential. It's time to discover a new way of accelerating your mission, growth, and purpose. Join us on the Focus to Evolve podcast and get ready to live your most joyful, productive, and fulfilling life. 